Welcome to Mums on Cloud9. I'm Heather Black, a champion for women in tech and founder of Supermums, a global brand supporting mums to develop a career in the Salesforce ecosystem. My podcast aims to inspire and support mums to develop a flexible, well-paid, successful career in the tech sector. On the show, we share top tips, insight and inspirational stories from women who've carved out a flexible, well-paid career, as well as talk to employers who champion diversity and gender equality. In today's session, we're talking about exploring your potential by reflecting on your own personality and thinking about the types of job roles that might suit you. To help us on this journey, I'm delighted to have Paula Gardner, founder of ScarletThinking.com, who is a business psychologist and coach. And today, Paula is going to be talking us through ways to reflect on your personality and figure out the right job role for you. Paula, welcome to the show. Hi, Heather. Thanks for inviting me on. It's a pleasure to have you, Paula. I've known you for so long. Yeah. Uh, and you always bring value. So I'm really looking forward to all the top tips that you're going to share with the listeners today. So thank you for joining us today. So tell us, like, I met you when you were originally doing PR and helping mm. small businesses with PR. So what led you to specialise and transition to be working in sort of business psychology and work as a coach? Well, it did actually come out of the PR. So I was working with business owners and helping them um, learn how to do their own PR and marketing. And there's one thing with, you know, imparting training and information, and this is how you do things. And there's another thing, people taking that up and running with it. And I was finding that while some business owners were able to do it, there were others that um, were always being held back. It could be something like they had press releases that they weren't putting out because they were being very perfectionist about it. They just never had the time to implement what we learned. And I got really curious about the psychology behind that. So why, why were some people able to run with it and some people resisting it? And I'd always, had, I always had been interested in, in psychology anyway. But that's one of the things that prompted me to do a master's in business psychology to find out more, to be able to help my clients really. Awesome. Thank you. So let's dig into a bit more about personality profiling tools. Like some of these can be a bit marmite for people because I've done, I've had been subjected to them various points throughout my career in in workplaces, Mm. but also I've chosen to do personality profiling and pay for them working with different coaches I've worked with. And I think some people, like there is that mindset where, okay, well, it will put you in a box and what it tells you you are, you will think that that's it and you can't do anything else versus, you know, the other way of looking at it to go, okay, well, where am I really strong on now? Where do I need to work on and things like that? So what's your view around these tools? How do you think they help people and what's the value of spending some time on them okay well let me let me say at first that there are two different types of approaches to this there are those tools that will will look at skills and behaviors so for instance extroversion introversion and they'll say maybe have a scale of one to ten and show you where on the scale of one to ten you are on them and then then there are the other types of tests that put you in boxes. So, you know, you're green, you're red, or you're a shark, or you're a butterfly. (laughs) Um, And DISC is one of those tools that puts people in boxes. Um, And I'll be talking about DISC later. And I think that's where a lot of people decide, oh, I don't like this, because they don't like the idea of being put in a box. So whereas the first type of test gives us a lot of information that we can work with and it's very tailored to us individually, when you feel as though you've been put in a box, it does raise some people's hackles because they think I'm more than just this. So I always encourage people to look upon this as just information. So even if you look at something and you think, oh, hey, that, that, that really isn't me, that test has got, has got it wrong, 
that test maybe has got it wrong, perhaps, but quite often it may be the perception of yourself <laughs> um, that, that's wrong. So it's always information. So don't, don't write any, any test results off because they always give you information, not only about how you might be seeing yourself, but also about how other people may be seeing you. And of course, you know, personality and behavior tests are now used very widely in, in job markets nowadays by employ- employers. So I think they're one of these things it, it's good to get comfortable with. And if you've done a few and a few different types, then you're not going to be surprised about anything that comes up when you're in an interview. Mm, that's interesting. And I suppose it'd be good for both of us perhaps share for the listeners, like where we found it valuable for ourselves. So for me personally, I found it just really enlightening because I suppose having run a business before and you feel like you have to understand and do everything running a business. But similarly, it could be if you're a Salesforce consultant, right? You know, you've got multiple hats that you need to wear, which can encompass four jobs in one job sometimes. Mm. And I think, you know, that is a lot to expect of anybody. And sometimes it's quite nice to just use those tools to help you figure out actually what do I really enjoy and what am I really good at? And actually be able to feel like, okay, who do I build around me? So what I was more aware of having used these tools that I needed complementary personalities in my business, in my team, so we could like create the perfect team balance. And so we started profiling people that were at interview stage to grow the company and start to look at, you know, how do I, you know, how do I, I know I'm really great at this. I, you know, I can do that stuff, but it's not where I naturally sit and sort of built then a team round of complementary stuff. And that's worked really so well for me because mm-hmm. it's allowed me to then play to my strengths. Um, and so it's helped me figure out, okay, what do other people's, what do other people present and how then do we present a perfect team model? Cause I think the idea of these is that you get a balanced team, right? By having sort of different personal profiles, but I'll hand it over back to you, Paula. Where did you feel like going through these tools yourself? How has it helped you? Uh, I think I got the biggest shock, actually, when I did a tool called Savile Wave. And that's one of the first type that that profiles you on a scale of one to ten. And I was coming up uh, quite high on on some things and feeling quite smug about it. And I got to one and it was finishing things off. And because I had, I was very low on it, but because I had worked for myself since the age of 22, I do finish things off. I just do it in my own time, which might be you know, three in the morning or after a swim. <laughs> I do have to say that a lot of these tools are created for corporate workplaces. So they, they judge you on that scale of output and, and that sort of thing. Mm. But I remember looking at that and thinking, oh, that has to change. <laughs> so, I mean, what I did was I basically used that and worked with that and thought, well, if somebody is a, a good computer finisher, what would they do? And, and you know, try to incorporate that my work rather than leaving lots of sort of half finished things lying around while I went mm. off for any shiny bright object. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, because I think you can you can go two ways with that, can't you? So I sort of looked at it and go, you know what, I, you know, I can do those things, but I'm not the best. So I'm going to get somebody else to do them. Or you can do what you did and go, okay, I'm obviously not fulfilling those things. So I'm going to get better at it. Like, you know, you can take it either way, mm. can't you? But I think it can be one of those things that can take a weight off your shoulder, just accepting that you don't have to be everything to everybody and not be brilliant at everything. And that's why you have a team because a team can bring so much. And I think 
it's something to be aware of, you know, for any of the listeners going into new jobs or working within a team, like how does your team balance out? You know, have you got the different skill sets you need? But I think the thing is you don't have to be everything. So that's why it can be really good to understand where your strengths are. Mm. Um, So Paula, tell us a little bit about the DISC model, which is one of the tools that you specialize in and, and work with people on. Yeah, I mean, one reason I really like working with DISC is that people easily get it. And it's one of those, those things that when, when you get DISC, you, you, you can spot traits in other people. And actually, I know this is a podcast for mums, so actually it's really useful not only to look at it from a work point of view, but from a family point of view, looking at you know, personalities and behaviours of people, people in your family. And I find DISC really helps when it comes to communication. Um, and that is you know, one of the pitfalls of, of workplaces and families too, isn't it? When communi- communication goes a little bit awry. And I find that DISC helps us understand other people and how, both how they act and uh, how they communicate and where they might be coming from. So it helps us understand them and it also helps us perhaps change ourselves a little bit so that we communicate them with them better and in a way that, that resonates with them and they listen to us. Mm, interesting brilliant and talk to us a bit about what the disc stand for okay so this is a podcast so what i'm going to do is to ask people to imagine a circle which is separated Mm -hmm. into four quadrants and in the top left hand we have a d in the top right quadrant we have a an i and then an s in the bottom right quadrant and a, a c in the uh, bottom left quadrant. So the top half of the circle, which is the D and the I, these are the extroverts. And the bottom half of the circle, which is the S and the Cs, these are your introverts. And it also is divided with the left-hand side of the circle. So the Ds and the Cs are your task-orientated people. And the I's and the S's are the people-oriented people. There are free DISC tests that you can do online. I also do DISC with people and I go into it in much more depth. But just for a quick and dirty approach to DISC now, I am going to ask you what you think you might be, extrovert or introvert. I, well, I see myself as more introvert, but then I like speaking and presenting. So I always get a bit confused by that. (laughs) So it is about energy, actually. So it's not about how confident you are at speaking or presenting, or indeed how loud you may be. It's more about where you get your energy from. So extroverts tend to get the energy from other people. They like the buzz being around them, whereas introverts... I mean, they they like the energy of other people and they don't avoid it. But after a certain point, they will need to shut themselves off, whether it's putting their headphones on, whether it's actually literally taking themselves to a different place because that energy can get too stimulating and they may find their thoughts are just, they they just can't think properly because there's too much going on outside themselves. Mm, So I'm definitely more of an introvert. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So task orientated or people orientated so are you when you think of a job is it do you think more about this job needs to get done how's it going to get done and when is it get, going to get done or are you thinking more about the people around you and the team and who, who might be doing it the tasks normally okay so as an 
introvert and a task-orientated person. So you're self, self-confessed. That's the other thing. All these tests, they're all about how you judge yourself. I would put you primarily in the, in the C box. Now, in DISC, nobody is ever, well, you're rarely purely a C or a D or an I. There's always a mixture. But I would say your predominant trait might be C. Okay. For somebody who is an extrovert and they are an extrovert who is task-focused, then they would, I would say the predominant uh, trait would be a D. An extrovert who's people-focused would be an I. And an introvert who is people-focused would be an S. Okay. So I'll take you through each one in turn. And then as we go along, perhaps, you know, you can uh, tell me where you've spotted these people within the Salesforce ecosystem. Which they okay. Have. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks, Paula. Okay. So Ds. So these are the extroverts and they are the task-oriented people. And I would say, even though that you have mentioned about being a C, I would say that you probably have some, some D in your profile, Heather, knowing you. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ds are, I mean, think, think of D words. So they're, they're driven, they're determined, they're decision makers. So, so they make decisions fast. This is not to say that they are the right decisions, but they don't, you know, go back and forth over the decisions. They make them and, and get on with things. They are very to the point in their communication. These, if they are emailing you or talking with you, they, they're not particularly interested in all the fluff about, you know, what did you watch on TV last night? Or, you know, where did you go on holiday and all that sort of thing. They want, they'd like to keep to the subject matter, to the task in hand. That's not to say they're, you know, they're not a great laugh and not lively and everything. Cause when they're talking about what they do and their passion, they do, they do light up. So very knowledgeable in their so subject area and also very keen to get things done. So my guess when it comes to Salesforce is that, you know, you'd be looking at consultants, analysts, so people that can see the big picture and, and want to move businesses forward. What do you think, Heather? Yeah, and I think project management sounds, stands out to me as well. But I think, you know, there's com- people skills are important in all those jobs. And it's not yeah. to say these, you know, will obviously have elements of people management in there. But I think project managers have to be quite sturdy and uh, direct and, you know, decision makers and kind of get things done. So I think the project manager sticks out the, the, the most to me. But if, if you're a Salesforce consultant with a project management hat embedded in that then absolutely you'd see that in a consultant role as well i think so yeah they they feel like the most if they if you think a d aligns with you then they're probably the jobs that you want to be looking at yeah yeah d's d's are good leaders they're natural leaders i would think behavior wise the things d's need to watch out for are softening their communication so they may be as a very as a so process driven when they when they write and when they talk it is about you know what we are doing and if they are if they are leaders and they are telling people what to do they often don't give them enough information so they can go let's get this done let's get this done and the other people you know they're left thinking well you know how what should i be doing this when do you want it by and and often their their tone can be a little bit uh, abrupt so i would say you know d's it really helps if you think a little bit about softening your approach sometimes but, you know, your strengths really are you, you get stuff done. Cool. Absolutely. So what about I? I. So I. So I's 
they're often very inspirational. They are, um, they're the bubbly people. They're the people that when they walk into an office, it takes them five minutes to get to their, their desk because they're, <laughs> they're talking to people about their kids, about what they did that weekend, about, you know, football, what happened. So eyes, eyes are very inspirational. They are great team leaders. They are bubbly. They're very people orientated. And, and, and they are a pleasure to have in the office. I mean, when you talk about putting a team together, you know, an eye is always a good one to have in there for morale and, and motivation and um, just, you know, general good, good office feeling. So eyes, eyes are, from a sales force point of view, I would see eyes as being greater at sales and they, they definitely have the people skills. So project management, I would guess, perhaps again okay and also maybe like i think business analysts you know tend to have a really good rapport with people and need to really understand what's going on for those people and what motivates them and pain points so it sounds like that could be another good fit as well because it's really about getting on with people isn't it the other kind of role that is a supporter role to tech projects is like change management because change mm. management is all about com- people communication and sort of having really good communication with people, getting them all like particularly morale and kind of getting everybody, you know, aligned with the vision on board, feeling the love for the system and what's going to happen. So yeah, so I can definitely see where sales because it's people change management, business analyst would be great project management. It feels like a, a good one in terms of team lead, as long as they mm. are good at the task element of it i guess because this is more people rather than task right so they'd have to have a bit of the task management in there if they want (laughs) to yeah yeah keep everything on track yeah i would say the pitfalls that eyes eyes need to watch out out for are that they are so people orientated so you just mentioned about project managers would need to have some of the task stuff in there so sometimes they need to sort of sharpen up and, and get things done um and they also they're not great deliverers of bad news because they they are so keen on uh, everyone being happy and feeling you know like a team and so on they they often don't like like to rock the boat so they they don't like making those difficult people decisions um, and they don't like telling people difficult things so mm. if you're an I and you have to tell your client something then um it might be a little bit challenging for you. Mm. So maybe that's where project management falls down a little bit. Hence, you might want them in your team because <laughs> yeah. you need a good balance, right? Between people. But yeah, that could be one of the things I've seen is that project managers don't like to say no to a client and then you're running over budget. So that's definitely something to yeah. be aware of. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. Great. Okay. So what about S then? So S is, so S's are sensitive. They are stable. They're very people orientated, but in a different way to the eyes. So the eyes are often eyes are high energy. They're about, you know, keeping people motivated, you know, telling jokes and so on. And the S's are more about caring about how people feel. So they're the ones that, that notice that, you know, somebody else might be hunched over their desk and, and not, not looking like they usually do. Mm. They're the ones that, you know, if, if you're working on a project, and they're leading the project that they want to know that everyone is comfortable, that everyone understands. They, they've got the big picture people thing going on mm. um, and, and the, you know, the under the surface side of things. Mm. Um, so again, they're very good people orientated to, to have on your team. 
And from the sales force point of view, they're brilliant at building up good client relations. So when you have a long-term, we have to build a long-term relationship with a client. And S is very good because they will really get to understand that, that client. Mm, so that could be a good account manager role. Yeah. You know, maintaining relationships with existing customers or overseeing delivery like overarching. But they might also be good at sort of being Salesforce admins and teaching people and supporting people mm. to embed the system because you have to have a lot of patience, training, onboarding people, you know, working through tweaks and things, which might not suit the high energy person because maybe they're a bit more big picture, like we're going to have this big tr- digital transformation, great. Whereas there's then the people underneath that kind of need to train them on every bit of the system and make sure everybody's really happy and particularly those that don't get it straight away, being patient with them and supportive. Yeah. You know, it feels like those people who are S's would be good at sort of being Salesforce admins or trainers and, and those different roles too. Yeah, a trainer actually is a very typical role for, for an S person. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And finally, and, C. Well, I'm just about to say that things oh. that S's need to watch out for, S's are not great with change. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So <laughs> they'll probably be happier with a, a company or an organization that, that's quite stable. Um, rather than something like a, you know, a new tech company where you don't know, if, you know what's going to be happening the next day. They mm-hmm. like stability. Mm, interesting. So you might be better going into a role where they've already got Salesforce. So it's not a big change, but you're kind of helping embed Salesforce and keep everything moving as business like usual with little increments of change and things. Maybe that would work Yeah, better yeah. for those kind. Awesome. Okay. All right. Last but not least, then, what about C? So the C's. So the C's are detail-orientated, so they're very conscientious. Again, they're like the D's, they're task-orientated. But whereas the D's might be standing around thinking big picture on the task, you do that, you do that, the C's are all about what did we learn from, from last time, last time's uh, results and efforts. They're great at you know, dotting the T's and crossing the I's. They can also be a little bit critical. And they don't mean it in a, in a bad way, but they're also quite critical of themselves. So when they, when, when they, they are, say slightly critical things to other people, they don't mean it as a criticism. They're just treating it as, as they would themselves. Yeah. But when it comes to a team, that, that actually is quite a valuable role in that your C is quite often your devil's advocate. And I imagine this could wear they can be really strong in Salesforce because not only are they conscientious and detail orientated and, you know, can, can go into the intricacies of Salesforce, they're going to be able to tell the client, you know, actually, you know, if you do this, this might happen. They can see that big picture wise and they, they're also able to explain that information. Mm. So that sounds like really like the technical roles, like a developer, technical admin, even architect, working up to architect, because again, an architect is kind of where you have all the technical knowledge, but you're advising on the build. And it's very task focused, more, more on like the product as opposed to like people management if you're in a pure tech role. So that probably sits quite well with that. Yeah. And like you say, you know, many of the roles will have bits and pieces of, of all of those, those profiles. Mm. But, but knowing, I think it's, I think it's, these are useful tools when it comes to our happiness. So if you are a, a D trying to fit yourself into a role that, that's good for a C, you know, long term, you might not, you might not be happy and, and you know, the, the company that you're working for might not get the best results. So, you know, it, it works on both sides of, of things. 
Mm, that's really interesting. Cool. Okay. So how would you, you know, you've gone through this, you've kind of thought about, okay, well, where, you know, where, what job roles might suit me best? How do you communicate that in an interview to people in a way that you can talk about your strengths? And if you know, in the back of your head, your weaknesses, like, you know, how do you stop that being a, a stigma for you? If you think, okay, well, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a C, okay, I'm great at this, but maybe not so great at this stuff. Like, I don't want, you know, I think people worry that might hold them back. So how, mm-hmm. how do you reframe it in your mind in a way that is useful to kind of be stronger interviews? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we're complex individuals and let, let's take somebody who is a, a C in an interview and, you know, they're challenged with, you know, what, what are your weaknesses? And, and the C person knows that actually stepping up and giving presentations is, is part of, you know, part of the job. You know, interviews nowadays are often very competency based. And if you can recognize that presentations and being able to stand up at the conference, for instance, is, is part of, of that job, then actually being able to talk about specific times where you have done that. And I think it's perfectly okay to say, you know, this isn't in my usual skill set, or this isn't something that I feel comfortable with. But, you know, I did get up and I did talk to in front of, you know, 350 people at this conference. And, you know, as a result, my last company got so many sales or so many new clients from it, and we were mentioned in this. So it's almost like understanding what your weakness is, but showing that, you know, when called upon, you can rise up and address that if necessary. Mm, interesting. So would you talk about your profiles, your personality profile at interview or kind of just more, you know, knowing you for yourself that, you know, do you rock up and say, oh, I'm a C in this profile, <laughs> you know, or do you kind of put across your strengths and your weaknesses in a different way? I think it's probably better. This is the information for you. So yes, of course, if you've been profiled already by that company, then that's a conversation that they'll probably instigate. Mm -hmm. I think use this as information for you. So if you're a C, you know, look upon, you know, the strengths of the Cs and really push them. Understand what your weaknesses might be so that you're ready for those questions that that could come from the interviewer. But also, I mean, we're talking about interviews and jobs. This is where you can look at the organization as well. You know, if you are a D or an I and that whole being able to mix and mingle with people is really important, being able to make your own decisions, you know, even just the type of environment that you're in, being able to walk across the room and talk to people, if that all that is really important to you and you go there and you realize everybody's in their cubicles and you're just going to be sat there all day <laughs> with no interaction, even things like that can tell you whether that, that workplace is going to be right for you. And I know at the moment with, you know, people are working from home with COVID, but, you know, asking things to them, what are their plans for the future? How are people going to be communicating? You can use your profile to actually help you ask the right questions for the job. I think that's so important, isn't it? Because quite often we're trying to sell ourselves to them rather than questioning them enough about, is this environment the right place for me and how I'm going to fit in? I think what's really interesting, just reflecting on, um, you know, through our recruitment agency at Supermums, we actively place candidates and, and quite rightly, you know, some of these are going through jobs at the moment. She's asked to speak to other members of the team as well. And I think that is completely acceptable and really good because if you've only met one person, you don't necessarily know what the other team members are like or who they are. And you want to find out about that, don't you? As well as the environment, as well as all these things, because you need to know how you're going to fit in 
into that sort of overall mould. Brilliant. Well, thank you. Um, so takeaways, what are our top tips do you think that people can take away? Like we've, we've shared some of this information. What can people do to find out more, Paula? Okay. Well, first of all, I'd say definitely take a few tests. You know, you can do DISC. There's another one called 16 Personalities, if you search for that. There's another one called the VIA Strengths, V-I-A. It's a VIA Strengths test. All these are free tests online. And you may have to sign up for it, but because they're psychology based, you don't get a lot of spam asking to <laughs> join my latest you know, workshop and so on. I generally email you few and far between. But these will, you know, they'll give you an idea of, of what your, you know, your sort of personality and behavior traits are at the moment. The next thing is understand that these things can change. So your next role can change you. So if your next role is very detail orientated and you have to get used to that, you know, your behaviors will change and, and your, your profiles will change. So every time you're looking for a new job, do the test again. Even if you're not looking for a new job, even if you have a, you know, even if you have a, a Salesforce position that you're really happy with it, you know, all these things are really valuable information for you. And also the people around you, once you've done them, you can spot other people, you can say, my boss is a D. That's why I get one-line emails from them. <laughs> um, so obviously there are free tests out there. I, I work with people myself and I do more in-depth in versions of them. So for instance, when I do DISC with people, we talk about not only their primary type, we talk about the different, you know, how much D do you have, how much I do you have, and also what do you revert to under stress? Because that's another thing we tend to revert to almost like a comfortable personality type when, when we are under stress or feel threatened. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a complex area that, that can give us lots of information. But, you know, top line, just doing some, some tests online will help you. Brilliant. Oh, thank you, yeah. Paula. Thank you, Paula. No, that's great. Really, it's, yeah, it's fascinating, these different tests. And I think you're probably right, actually. I thought, well, I do a few, gosh, that would like, be quite a lot but then perhaps it's good to kind of get familiar with different ways of looking at yourself in in different aspects rather than just be hung up on one it kind of gives you that overarching reflection and if there's a trend then you know they can't all be wrong right yeah. <laughs> so yeah no really interesting insight and I think it's really good to think about them in terms of the types of roles you can go for because ultimately I, I do see this is you know people are putting themselves in the wrong positions and then they've made that mistake and then they're like oh, okay actually that's not the job for me because they didn't do enough homework before so I think it's really valuable because you can be in this imaginary world where you think oh I can do that job and I can think about it so what I've been doing on our coaching course is get people to you know, talk to people in that job find out more about it like shadow them just yeah. get a real feel like the more you can do prep work to really really understand a job and you know and also understand yourself which is the other aspect of this mm. is get to know you and what's important to you and your personality profile better the more then you can find the right job going forward rather than kind of having this imaginary illusion about yourself and the job 
<laughs> and then getting there and going, oh, shit, it's the wrong one. Especially if you've trained up to get it, right? It, you know, you don't want to invest in a project management qualification if you get there and think, actually, I really don't want to do project management, which, yeah. you know, can be quite the reality sometimes. So I think, yeah, really useful. Thank you so much, Paula, for joining us today and sharing top tips. And if you ever need support or want to delve into this a little bit more deeper, then Paul is on hand if you want to access support from her. So thank you everyone for listening today. I hope it's inspired you to take some steps to explore your potential and figure out a little bit more about you and what jobs you'll be most suitable for you. So bye for now. Please do visit the supermums.org website if you want to have a look at career options. There's further support there and we'll join you very soon for the next show sharing some more top tips. Speak to you again all soon. Take care. Bye. Mums on Cloud 9 is kindly sponsored by RB in partnership with Emfa.